Well, friends, it is January the 7th. It is the end of the first week of the year 2024. So how's that New Year's resolution working out for you? I hear some chuckles. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep, that's what I thought. Well, if, if you've already given up on your resolution for the year, don't feel too badly because according to some research out there, you're in good company with 23% of Americans who within the first week of the new year have already decided to abandon the resolution that they started the year out with. Now, before the end of this month, that number will be up to 43% having abandoned it. And by the end of the year, only 9% of everybody who made a resolution will still be standing with that resolution intact. 9%. Isn't that something? So again, if you've already given up on yours, don't feel too badly. But as I saw those statistics, uh, it made me wonder, why is it that so many New Year's resolutions crash and burn so quickly? Right? I mean, many of us make them or have made them. Maybe we've given up on making them because our tendency was to abandon them within the first week. Um, but why is it that so many of them crash and burn? Well, I think at least part of the answer to that is that so often the way they are made is in a very random or haphazard way. Maybe we hear about one that a friend made and we think, oh, that's a good idea, I'll do that too. Or maybe we look in the mirror and we see something that we're not that thrilled with anymore and so we go, I'm going to make a resolution about that. Or maybe we went on the internet to find out what the best 10 top re resolutions for the year 2024 were and went down the list and just randomly decided on one of those. Whatever it is, so often the way in which resolutions are made is disconnected from who we are at our core. And so this morning, <coughs> as we start this new year together, I want to invite us to start with a question together for the new year. And that question is, where are you aiming with your whole life? What is the orientation of your whole life and where are you wanting to go with that life? And, and when we come to an answer to that question, then, then we are able to begin orienting goals and resolutions around things that will help us move in that direction. I want to suggest to you this morning that in the 12th chapter of Romans, Paul offers us, I think, a pretty compelling answer for any of us, for all of us, to the question of where are we aiming. Now let me say first say a word about the 11 chapters that precede the part that I'm going to read today. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul has a lot to say about God, about God's love for God's children, about the extraordinary, magnificent, unconditional love of a God who first loves us. And after Paul has expounded on that for quite some time, then we get to the beginning of chapter 12. And at the start of chapter 12, there's a word that gets translated from the Greek often as either therefore, which is a good word to signal that there's some kind of pivot about to happen, therefore, 
or sometimes it gets translated with the word so. Now, there's a little bit of a running joke around our Trinity staff team here um, that some people will tell you that when Steve Price says so, there's a big ask that's about to come after it. <laughs> so some staff people start running when they hear me say, so, well, it's kind of like that in this passage today, because Paul has spent all this time talking about God, and now he pivots to make the big ask, to invite those who would respond to that love of God in some pretty significant and powerful ways. So listen in as I read for us these 18 verses from the 12th chapter of Romans. Before I do, let me invite you to take a moment to pray with me. Come Holy Spirit and breathe life into our hearing of the scriptures and into the words that I speak, that they might all carry from you into our hearts and lives a good news and a word of yours today. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, on the basis of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be arrogant, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's quite a big ask, wouldn't you say? And yet... This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. 
Where are you aiming? Where are we aiming with our whole lives? James K.A. Smith, in his book, You Are What You Love, says that to be human is to be on the move, pursuing something, oriented towards something. We are dynamic creatures directed towards some end. He goes on to say that what we pursue is based on what and or who we love. Our loves guide the direction in which we move. Sometimes that happens consciously. Sometimes that happens unconsciously. We may not intentionally be thinking about the direction in which we are moving, and yet those things that we love, or we might also say those things that we are clinging to or wanting to cling to, are leading us in the direction we go. We can be intentional or unintentional, but make no mistake, we are headed in a direction. Today, the invitation is for us to be more intentional. And maybe you've already figured out by the front of the bulletin or by uh, the, the graphics that are on the screens that our invitation today and as we move through these next few weeks in worship is for us as followers of Jesus to make genuine love the target where we are aiming. Now this idea comes from the heart of the scripture passage that I just read for us this morning. In verse 9, Paul says, as it was translated in the version I read for us today, let love be genuine. Now a word about that passage in the scripture. The word genuine comes from the Greek New Testament word anupakritas, a word which more literally translates as without hypocrisy. Love without hypocrisy, or let love be without hypocrisy. And in the Greek, while this generally in English gets translated into an imperative, let us do this thing, the Greek doesn't contain that imperative. It's just the verb. And so one way this could be translated is genuine love is, or love without hypocrisy is. And then all the things that Paul says in the next verses that I read are examples or illustrations of what genuine love looks like. At its core, this witness that we are called to in the 12th chapter of Romans is about learning to love like Jesus. And so let's pay attention to a few of the things again that Paul describes for us in that passage this morning. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. Have you ever thought about what it might look like to outdo one another in showing honor? Now that, on one level, sounds like a little bit of a competition to me. So if, that, if, if it hits you that way, let me give you another way to hear that particular verse. Again, going back to the Greek in the New Testament, the word is proegeomai, a word which might better or more effectively for us be translated to lead the way or to set the example. So listen to it with that inserted. Set the example for others 
in showing honor. Lead the way for others in showing honor. When I hear that, and I think about it being 2024 and an election year, I can't help but think about the season that we are entering and how we are likely headed for a great deal of hostility and division. And what would it look like for those who are called to serve our communities, our state, our nation, what would it look like for them even in their disagreements and differences with one another about policy, about best practices, what would it look like for them to lead the way for the rest of the pack to set the example in showing honor? You know, because fundamentally, we are all called to show honor to one another recognizing that in each other person resides the divine image of God. It is how we were created. So would it be too much to ask that of folks who want to serve us in our communities and in our nation? Maybe that's too tall of an order, I don't know, but I, but I don't know. But even if it is, we as the church, we as people of faith, we as followers of Jesus indeed are called to set the example, to lead the way in showing honor to all human beings. Paul says, pursue hospitality to strangers. That word pursue, that's not a casual word, is it? That's a very intentional, persistent um, intentional word, to pursue hospitality to strangers. Have you ever noticed how it makes a difference when a stranger is recognized or acknowledged? Have you ever noticed the way that it can make somebody feel? That somebody sees them? That somebody pays attention to them? A warm smile, eye contact, a friendly hello. Pursue hospitality to strangers, my friends. It is one of the ways in which we can genuinely love others around us as an expression of our faith. Here comes a tough one for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's hard work. That's hard work because the natural tendency is to want to lash out, <laughs> not to do as we would want to have done unto us, but to do as we've just had done unto us, right? That's the tendency. But Paul reminds us of a higher calling that we have if we are going to follow Jesus. And the call to genuine love is the call to bless and do not curse. There's more than enough cursing happening in our world. We can do differently. We can do better. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is an invitation for us to be fully present with the folks who are right in front of us and to recognize whatever they are experiencing in that moment. And so to be able to celebrate with people who have something to celebrate 
even if it hasn't been our best day, right? And to be able to weep, to sit in grief and silence and mourning with people who are having a hard time, even if we'd rather be off celebrating, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to weep with those who are weeping, to be fully present as an act and as a witness of God's love. Live in harmony with one another. Now notice that he doesn't say live in unison. He says live in harmony. We don't have to all be singing the exact same note. We don't have to all think exactly alike. Live exactly alike. Live in harmony. And to make sure we get the message, he continues and said, so don't be arrogant or to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You might not always be the one with the right answer, the best idea. You might not be always be the one who sees things the way that God sees them. So live in harmony with each other, even as you make room for differences, because it is in the life of harmony that beautiful music is made together. And then he closes this section out by saying, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Which reminds me of another quote from Paul's letters, from the letter to the Ephesians, where as he's describing the clothing that we put on as people of faith, he says, as shoes for your feet, Put on whatever will make you able to share the gospel of peace. To live peaceably with one another. To extend peace, an offering of peace to others around us. This is a big ask, isn't it? Tall orders from the Apostle Paul today as we begin the new year. They are not for the weak need or for the faint of heart, and yet this is precisely the life that we were made for. As those who have first been loved by God and created in the image of God, this is the life we were made for, to extend that love out into the world. Paul Chilcote is a Methodist and Wesleyan scholar and teacher And he recently has written a little book entitled Multiplying Love, which has been his attempt to cast a vision for the future of the United Methodist Church and who we might be together as people who extend love out into the world. And in looking at the future, he goes back and he looks at the early days of Methodism and reminds us of John Wesley's definition of a Methodist that it is someone who has universal love filling their heart and governing their life. And, And that one of the ways that the early Methodists came to live into that lofty ideal was through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Chilcote says they learned how to love through discipleship and worship and were then sent out to share that love with others. In his book, You Are What You Love, Smith says, the crucial question I need to ask myself is how does my love get aimed and directed? How do I become more focused? 
Well, at least one answer that we know from other experiences in our lives, and if, the, if we want to get better at something, if we want to do better, we, we practice. And this is the message that we hear from Chilcote as well about those early Methodists, a practice that is, that is offered up to us even today, to engage in practices that better equip us to pursue the aim uh, that God has in mind for us. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some spiritual practices that help us grow as followers of Jesus and in our pursuit of genuine love. Specifically, we'll look at what it means for us to be people who worship, grow, serve, and give as means of transformation for our lives and as means of preparing us to be a blessing in the lives of others. Now, my hope, our hope as your pastors, is that as we look at these spiritual practices, we will be able to see them together not as burdens, not as one more thing that we need to add on to what we do in this life, but as blessings that help point us in the right direction. So why is this so important? Why, why do I find and uh, so compelling, compelling enough to want to offer it to you today, this idea of genuine love as the aim of our lives? Well, first of all, because this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. If we really want to follow Jesus, this is what it looks like. Remember that when Jesus was asked what the most important thing is in all of the commandments, he said, love God and love neighbor. And then to make sure they got the message, he said, every other thing, every other law, all the prophets, everything that any of them had to say, all hang on those two things, love God and love neighbor. If they don't hang on those two things, then they don't belong. Love God, love neighbor. This is worthy of our aim because Jesus said it is. And I would also offer to us today, it is worthy of our aim because the world so desperately needs it. There's a song that many of you know. We've sung it here in worship before. You probably, many of you grew up singing it in church. <clears throat> and, the, and the chorus of the song says that they'll know we are Christians by our, by our love. But I was thinking about that song this week. We know that the last word is love. But I wonder if I went out into the streets and spoke with people beyond the doors of the church. I wonder if that's the word that they would fill in at the end of that phrase. They'll know we are Christians by our. And I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure based on the experience some people have had with church based on the way they have seen some professed Christians behave, I'm not so sure that's the word that they would end the sentence with. So friends, the invitation that I make to us today 
is for us to be the kind of people who make people want to say, yeah, they'll know they are Christians. We'll know that they are Christians by their love. In his book, uh, Chilcote talks about, at the time he was writing that book, Multiplying Love, he was spending a season in England uh, working on the book and teaching a class and having a little bit of a, a spiritual renewal. <clears throat> and he talks about how one day as he was writing, he heard the bells ringing. And specifically, he heard a group of ringers change ringing. Now, this is a particular way of ringing bells that isn't about uh, following a melody or a tune, but ringing bells in sequence. And every round that the group of ringers does, each ringer rings their bell, and every round becomes a different sequence each time. Now, you can imagine that to ring in such a way takes a lot of practice and a lot of discipline and a lot of teamwork. If you have just a few ringers, there are a lot of possible combinations, and none of them are meant to repeat. If you get up to 10 ringers, get this, with 10 ringers, there are 3,628,800 possible combinations, possible sequences. If you bump that up just two more to 12 ringers, that number grows exponentially to 479 million. You see where I'm going here. The life of following Jesus is not easy. It takes practice. It takes discipline. It takes commitment. And it takes each other. It is not something that we are meant to do alone. We do it with each other. To live and to love like Jesus is not easy. But friends, it is so worth it. So as we begin this new year together, may this be our aim. And in 479 million plus ways, may the world know that we are Christians by our love. Amen.